I don't know what you think about when you hear the word church. Church. Because growing up, church was where we go. We're going to church. I got to get to church. Come with me to church. Uh, Let's go to church. Let's eat at church. Let's sit in church. Let's sing in church. Church was a place. And growing up, I never really learned the story of how we arrived there. You know, and it was just growing up for some reason, it was, it was, we got Jesus, he rose from the dead, and then we magically would skip to today. I'm going, you know, as I got older, I kind of said, wait a minute, there's like 2,000 years in the middle there that I'm not sure what's happened. But what I really love, one of my favorite verses, and I'll even go as far as to say this might have been a previous password on, a, on an old computer, was in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus makes a promise. And his promise is, on this rock, I will build my church. Other translations say, my gathering, my assembly. And nothing, not even Jesus' death, will stop it. I will build. Not I did build, not I'm done building, I will build. That's future tense. So Jesus makes his promise. And so why has the church survived 2,000 years? Because we even see how the story starts. It doesn't start in an environment where it is like right for the church. People are killed. They're martyred. They're crucified. They are hiding. They're cowarding. It's not like the church started in fertile ground. So how did the church survive? Well, it survived because Jesus made a promise. I will build my church. And then we go and we start in Acts and we start to see what the first century sermon sounded like. You can read Peter's as we've heard a little bit about today. And the sermons we see in the first century, they kind of went like this. You killed him. God brought him back to life. Now say you're sorry. First century preachers, they they didn't declare what they believed. They declared what they saw, what they experienced. And when you start teaching and preaching about what you experienced, that is a next level movement right there. And the central teaching of the church, it was not, we believe something is true. That wasn't what launched the church. The central teaching that launched the church was, we believe something happened. And we believe something happened because God has done something in our midst, and we saw it, and we experienced it. God raised a man, his son, who we read in our Old Testament scriptures prophesy about. God raised this man from the dead. And as a result, the early church It was a movement motivated by a gathering of people who were intent on one thing because they experienced something. And that one thing was to create followers of Jesus Christ who would change the world. And all this was because something happened. They experienced something. And what the first century Christians had is something God still makes available to us today. Because I don't know about you, but I'm going to give you a confessional. When I read scripture, 
I tend to gravitate to Peter pre-Holy Spirit. Because my natural tendency is, is to, when it's tough, to go the easy way. Remember, Peter was the one who denied Jesus to a middle school girl. But then something happened, and all of a sudden, Peter was the guy who became one of the just launching points, one of the pivot pieces of the church. What happened? So this is where our scripture brings us today. And what we see in Acts 2 is the fulfillment of prophecy. The Holy Spirit had come, and miraculous things were beginning to happen. And not one to miss an opportunity, because something has happened to Peter, right? He, he's afraid to talk to a middle school girl. But now he's full of boldness and courage to preach to a bunch of people who really probably aren't interested in what he has to say. And so now all of a sudden, because something happened, Peter says, I have an opportunity here. I'm not going to miss it. And so Peter stands up and gives his first sermon. And the sermon signaled the beginning of the outward movement of the Holy Spirit. And where we pick up in our text, y'all, Peter is sticking it to him pretty good. He said, you crucified Jesus, now say you're sorry. And Jesus is, or Peter is preaching with great boldness. And so the conclusion of his sermon is where we pick up. I'm going to pick up in Acts chapter 2, verse 22. And Peter says, as we just heard, you that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know. In other words, people of Israel, you saw this stuff happen. You saw this. And Peter continues, this man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. In other words, these were Jewish people. They knew what the Torah, they knew what the Old Testament said. Who you same people crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having freedom from death, because it was impossible for him to be held in death's power. So Peter's saying, listen up, that thing that, that you witnessed, that I witnessed, that thing that we all witnessed, that thing that happened just down the road up that hill, that was of God. That was of God's power a power with the ability to conquer death. And now God is using the same power he used to raise Jesus. He's trying to make it available to you. Stop being so hard-headed. And then continuing to verse 32. This Jesus God raised up and that all of us are witnesses. We didn't just hear about it. We saw what happened. We saw him crucified. We saw him after he rose when we were hanging out in the upper room, scared for our lives. We are witnesses. And we are going to do what witnesses do. Witnesses testify to what they have seen. And then verse 37 continues. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Y'all, if you ever have to teach a class or preach a sermon, that's a pretty good goal to have. To cut to your hearer's heart and have them go, what should we do? Jesus is gone. Did we mess up? 
Did we miss the boat? Are we too late to the game? What should we do? Peter says to them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins may be forgiven. And then here comes another promise. And you will, not you, that would have been bad. And you, not you could have, not you just missed the boat. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he continues, for the promise, this is where it gets really good. For the promise is for you, for your children, and all who are far away. Do you know who the all who are far away is? That's you. And this is Peter saying, this is not just a Jerusalem thing. This isn't just a Jewish thing. This isn't just a thing for those people who witnessed it. This thing that has begun in our midst, this is for all who are far away. All who are far away geographically, all who are far away chronologically. We have a responsibility now to make sure this gets out. And on that day, there was so much energy. There was so much momentum. This was opening day for the local church. There were so many miracles being performed. And then this is how the crowd responds. Verse 41. So those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day about 3,000 persons were added. 3,000 persons were added. 3,000 in Jerusalem. 3,000 people in the very city where Jesus Christ was crucified and rose from the dead just months earlier. 3,000 people said, we believe. 3,000 people joined the church that day. Do you know how long it would take to have 3,000 people walk down here, baptize them, profess their faith? 3,000. But see, here's the thing about the opening day in the local church when it just took off. I hear people talk about, I I like a small church. You know, I like church to be small. I like my gatherings to be intimate. Well, you know, my church is small. I like it the way it is. If you don't like large churches, probably not going to like heaven. It's big. Because the church has been a big deal. And could you imagine the stir this sent across the city? Opening day for the local church was big and dynamic. It was powerful. But here's the thing about opening day in the local church. There was no budget. There were no committees. There were no robes. There were no screens. There were no microphones. There were people. There was energy. There was prayer. And there was the Holy Spirit. And since opening day, there has always been a group of people who have said, this is a movement that must move. And this is a movement that must move regardless of circumstances. And this is a dynamic that must spread. And this is a message that must touch down in every single region of the world. In every generation, there has been a remnant of people who have said the church is not a location. It's a movement. It's a group of people. It's a living organism. Now here's the thing. Grace. You know something about keeping the church a movement. 
regardless of circumstances. You know something about having to transform the how, but keeping the why. And and if you're new to the area in the last 20 years, listen listen up to this because this is a very important story that, that has framed the faith community you are sitting in today. See, Grace, you know something about keeping the church a movement regardless of circumstances because on Sunday afternoon, July 17, 1983, about 4.10 p.m., what most people think of when they think of church literally went up in flames. Because if you remember on Sunday afternoon, July 17, 1983, about 4.10 p.m., the steeple that sat atop this sanctuary was struck with a bolt of lightning. First-hand accounts from this event, red light, we watched as the fire spread from the steeple. All you had to do was look up and imagine. The steeple down the roof until the entire roof collapsed. And then a writing from the church historian at the time noted that the structure where you sit today was completely gutted. The smell of smoke, burning wood, hymnals, pews, altar, and melting brass hung heavy in the air on that July day. And these windows that are so beautiful were blown out from the intense heat. Two days after the fire, Reverend John Younger penned a letter to the congregation. And in this letter he wrote, The spirit of grace is strong. And these events provide exciting opportunities for what we can do together. The love of God is what builds the church. And I would add, the love of God is what builds the church, its people, and the kingdom. Movements move. And grace did not stop moving because we lost our sanctuary. You see, Grace, our DNA as a faith community is made up of people who believe building or no building, we're going to build the church. And we're going to build and we're going to grow this group, this gathering. You see, Grace, our history has shown us this truth that church is what you have left when your sanctuary burns. Church is what you get when people are faithful to where the Holy Spirit is calling them. And they go there together. Like the first century Christians, the story of God's work through Grace United Methodist Church didn't end because we lost our building. As a matter of fact, when you look at the records, it grew. And it grew because a building is not the launching point for a growing community. People are the launching point and the Holy Spirit is the energy. So, Do you know what happened as a result of opening day in the local church? We go to verse 43. All came upon everyone. All. Could you imagine the power behind a group of people who were awakened to the awe and the wonder of Jesus Christ? Revival came through the Holy Spirit's work through a community who was attuned to where the Spirit was leading them. And these groups, they attracted much attention in the first century. And the general feeling was a feeling of awe of what has happened to these people. They're different. 
And outsiders liked what they saw happening in and through these groups of believers. But most importantly, their new life together began to affect how more and more people lived and worked. They were defining what people thought of when they heard the word church. And so when we gather in Jesus' name, we, you, me, we, are a part of this thing called church. And when we unite generations in a worship space that brings glory to God and awakens creation to the transforming power of the Holy Spirit and strengthens the church to influence our community, when we do this, we are opening up our community to the awe and the wonder of a living God who makes His love known to and through His people. Opening day in the local church was a big deal. And the church is still a big deal today because the church is a movement with extraordinary momentum and an incredible ability to transform lives and communities. It did this in first century Jerusalem. It did it in North Augusta, South Carolina in July 1983. And it will continue to do it today because, because Jesus said it would. Because Jesus made a promise. And Jesus made sure his promise would stick by giving us the Holy Spirit and by continuing to make his, the Spirit available to us today. The Holy Spirit is a big, big deal. And the world changed in 33 AD because God gave us the Holy Spirit. So come on, come on. Let's lean in together. Let's imagine what will happen. What will happen, not what can, what will happen when we reclaim the awe and the wonder of a living God who with the Holy Spirit works through his children to transform his creation. Opening day at the local church was a big deal because the Holy Spirit's a big deal. And God makes that spirit available to his church today because his church is a big deal. Praise be to God. Amen.